the theme of uh, this message is very simple. Is your life a career or a mission? Career and mission, the difference between these two concepts. We will discover that through the in light of the Word of God. Mark chapter 8 from verse 31 to 38. May the Lord continue to bless his word to our hearts. And then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said it is plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels, he will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and for faith a soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me... And of my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So this is the text that I was saying is a very well-known passage of the scriptures, at least for those who are familiar with it. Now, we see that the disciples are in a spiritual climax, I will say. You know, chapter 8 starts with the wonderful uh, act of compassion of Jesus feeding the crowds. And then people are coming to Jesus, especially those who are against him, like the scribes and Pharisees, to question his ministry. He heals the blind at the same time in this chapter. And then on top of this, when crowds are continuing to seek and look for Jesus, the disciples are all happy. They understand that they are following the Messiah. They are very popular. Things happen with Jesus. They understand that Jesus is somebody more than a prophet. In this chapter, we have the wonderful confession of faith of Peter that says, You are the Christ. And as much as this can be a very familiar sentence with us, in those moments was a revolutionary thought. Because saying you are the Christ, it meaning that the anointing one of God, the promise from the prophet Isaiah and the other prophets of the Old Testament was in the middle of them. So it was a huge statement. So everybody looks happy. So in this moment, Jesus started to talk about something very difficult to understand for them. Jesus wants now that the people will discover his mission. Yes, I'm the Christ. I'm the anointed one. But now you have to understand why I am here on earth. And he starts to speak about the suffering of the Messiah. 
This was against the expectations that the people of Israel had. Because for them, the Messiah should have been the king that will deliver the people from slavery, from the oppression of the Roman Empire, and give them political freedom. They will bring back Israel to the time of King David and the splendor of those times. Now they hear Jesus talking about dying on the cross, talking about suffering. And Peter is astonished, is disturbed by that. So he pulled back Jesus and he said, come on, Jesus, let's have a talk. And he rebuked Jesus. Can you imagine Peter rebuking Jesus and saying, I, I understood well what you say. Doesn't make sense, Jesus. So Jesus, at this moment, made clear something. Peter, Satan is using you. Doesn't matter if you are close to me, but Satan is using your mouth to discourage my mission. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. Sometimes there are people that are close to us that will make statements that will discourage a walk with God. And stopping the planning that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, has for our lives. But Jesus is teaching us that he was firm and standing and focused on his mission. That was dying on the cross for our salvation. This is what we are remembering this morning. So Jesus here is personifying a life driven by his given mission. And because of that focus, he was able to endure the cross until the end. You see, Jesus knew exactly what the Father demanded for him. In John chapter 12, verse 49, John chapter 12, verse 49, we find maybe a summary of what the gospel says about Jesus knowing the mission, his mission. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. You see, Jesus had a perfect relationship with the Father, and he had an intimacy that would allow him to know the mission and to stay focused on the mission. Actually, Jesus said what to say and what to speak. It was a detailed mission that Jesus had as he was depending from the Father. And I believe, in my brothers and sisters, that this devotion of Jesus to the mission given by the Father is a wonderful example for all of us to be focused, to be devoted, to fulfill the plan that God has given to us as individuals, as a family, as a church. As we go through this time of prayer and fasting, I pray that God will give us clear direction in what to do in this 2019 and the years to come as we are focusing on the mission to make disciples for the glory, the advancement of the kingdom of God. We don't want to be here just to play church. Often we say that. We don't want to be here because it's nice to be together. We want to be here because we have a mission to fulfill. Amen? We have a mission to fulfill. We have... A mission to raise in the new generation of believers that need to receive Christ as a Savior and as a Lord. Praise God for this. You see, Jesus warned his own disciples, but also to the crowd 
They want to be disciples of Jesus. It makes them clearly know that if we want to receive salvation, we have to be willing to die to ourselves, to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. He calls very clear to that example that he already has set up for us. Being God, he lowered himself and became one of us. But here Jesus is speaking very clear, not all on the responsibility to pick up the cross, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus, but also on the danger not to follow Jesus. Jesus said, who want to save his life will lose it. And who will lose it will save it. You see, there is a difference here. If you follow Jesus, even if you lose your life, will continue to live. Jesus later on, the Gospel of John will say that if we believe in him, even if we die, we shall live. That's the hope that we have with the resurrection. But the contrary to that is that if it will save our life, in other terms, if we live only for ourselves and we don't pay attention to the things of God, at the end, we will lose our lives. It's the second death that the Bible described in the different epistles in the book of Revelation. So Jesus here said very clear, follow me and I will make you fisher of man. Jesus is saying to his own disciples, you need to come to me. You need to have a relationship with me and be ready to suffer things for the gospel, for the sake of the gospel. In other terms, today, if we can contextualize Jesus say, I'm not giving you a career. I'm not offering to you a career. I'm offering you to be on mission with me. That's why he said to them, follow me and I will make you fisher of men. They had already a career. But Jesus transformed their career in a mission. Fisher of men. And it's very important we pay attention to that. A quick look at the dictionary. I make reference to the online Cambridge dictionary. We understand that there is a big difference between a career and a mission. A career is something you choose for yourself. You choose to become a doctor. You choose to become a nurse. You choose to become a teacher. You know, you can do everything you like and you choose as a, a career. But a mission is something that other people assign to you. You have to accomplish what was given to you. And you see, the difference between career and mission is that career identifies and exemplifies the life that we want to be. The mission is a life of submission to the plan that God has given to us. And this is what Jesus is saying here. When you die to yourself, you are willing to fulfill my mission. When you live by yourself, you want to choose your own life without me giving you help and direction. Let's be honest. How many times we say that we have the Holy Spirit to lead us? But are we willing to be submitting to His guidance? Oh, we want to help the Lord sometimes, like Peter. Jesus, I don't think you are doing the right thing. 
I don't think it's the right plan for us. We want to help Jesus. We want to help the Holy Spirit. I pray that through this message, we will reflect. As I was blessed, you will be blessed in opening your heart to the Word of God. The first thing that I want to share with you is that there is high cost for a profitable exchange. High cost for a profitable exchange. You see, Christian life is not always easy. You know, there are people that behind pulpits, they sell wonderful products of Christianity. You believe in Christ, no more problem, no more difficulties. Everything is well. God himself will pay your bills. Never sick. You will have a Mercedes. Is this what the gospel is telling us this morning? It's talking about dying to ourselves. It's talking about suffering. It's talking about embracing the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, a true disciple must die and deny to self and embrace Jesus. Let's look at, at these three steps that Jesus is asking. A true disciple must deny self. And this doesn't refer to leave everything and go in a monastery in the mountains and leave a life of solitude and not having contact with nobody. I don't think Jesus was referring to that. Self-denial does imply a poor self-image of who we are. I believe that is more than that. I have difficult to hear people constantly, even after accepting Jesus Christ, having this mindset, poor me, I'm a, a nobody. I remember a brother, maybe I mentioned to you somebody, every time I was praying in church, Lord, we are the garbage of this world, and something like that. And one morning, I couldn't take it anymore. I went to talk to him, and I said, please, brother, when you pray, don't say we are. I don't feel that I'm a garbage. Maybe I was a garbage, <laughs> but now Jesus took me to a different level. If you feel that you are garbage, keep it for yourself, please. <laughs> and include all the congregation for this. When we say that we have to deny self, doesn't mean that we have to live always under the oppression of being nobody. Denying self is a profitable exchange because you deny yourself and you cover yourself with the power of the Almighty God. You cover yourself with the righteousness of Christ. You cover yourself with the omnipotent power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You become from nobody, you become somebody. Because the presence of God is in you, you carry the presence of the living spirit. And you are able to do things that before you were not. Why? Because the power of God is in your life. So denying self, it means denying who you are in your nature that has been not yet redeemed. It's the flesh. It's the lust. Then Jesus said, a true disciple must die to self. Specifically, Jesus said to take up a cross. It doesn't mean this, and I have nothing against that, to wear a necklace with a cross. Some people, they think that when Jesus said pick up a cross, it means wear a cross around your neck. 
or put a sticker on your bumper on the car and say, I'm a Christian or a fish or something like that. It's not that. By the way, if you put a sticker on the car, please behave like a Christian. That's very, very important. <laughs> when Jesus say, spoke about pick up the cross, for those people, the cross was death. And not just a simple death. The death of a criminal. Somebody that was not worthy to live in society. So Jesus said, be ready to die to self. You see, we don't need to be compassionate with our flesh, our sinful nature. You have to kill it. You don't need to be gracious with your nature that is ruled by sins. Most of the time, we compromise with our flesh. I'm not a big sinner, but just a little bit is okay. Have you been in that environment, in that temptation? Yes, we all have. But Jesus said, you have to die to self. You have to pick up your cross. You have to be ready to crucify your flesh. And Paul says very clear to the Galatians that in 220, that he is not living anymore on his own. He was crucified with Christ. And the life that he was living now, he was living it with Christ. So he had a new identity in Christ. And my brothers and sisters, most of the time we lose the power of a Christian exuberant life because we compromise and we want to keep alive our nature. Lord, help us. You see, Jesus warns that the world will hate Christians. Will hate Christians. Just as the world hated him. If the church, if the Christian is not... I don't want to make an absolute statement here. Please understand what I'm trying to say. But if you are not going through obstacles and persecution and mocking and derision from other people, it means that there is a problem in your Christian life. It means that you are compromising yourself under the ruler of this world. And today, especially here in Canada, we are ruled by the political correct. You cannot say this because you offended that person. And I'm not preaching here that we have to go and offend the people. Please, this is not my purpose here. But I'm saying that we are losing the power that God has given to us to die ourselves. And to bring forth the message of the gospel without any compromise. That's what we need to do. Paul taught us we should expect animosity from the lost world for just seeking to live a godly life. This is what Paul is saying in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. Expect Timothy opposition because you are trying to live a godly life. But praise God for those who are standing for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if they oppose you, if they mock you, consider that as a, a reward that God is giving to the integrity of your faith. That's what is important for us to understand. And sometimes a persecution may only involve a shame. We may lose our jobs for our faith. We f may find ourselves ridiculed. Because of what we say about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my question to you this morning. My challenge 
not only to you, to myself. Will we be willing to share your faith in our current culture where there is no absolute truth? Are we standing for Christ, my brothers and sisters, even to the point to die? I was sharing at the prayer meeting this past Wednesday how today people are still dying just for their faith in Christ. And with my surprise, Africa is becoming one of the most uh, adverse continents to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In a on a daily basis, Christians are killed. And what we do with the freedom that we have here in Canada, my brothers and sisters. And please, it's far from me the idea to put a guilt on all of us this morning. I don't want to put a guilt. I pray that the Lord will put in us conviction. We will not go anywhere with guilt. We need conviction in our hearts. And conviction comes only by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And when we are willing to open our heart and receive the work of the Lord. A true disciple must direct self to follow Christ. We are almost scared by the way that Jesus presented this truth. It's so upfront, so free to tell them, you even can go, but if you leave me, you will die. But if you come with me and you follow me, yes, there is a risk that you will die, but you will have eternal life. Jesus placed things in perspective. And you know, here is described by the text a personal effort to follow Jesus Christ. To follow Jesus, not certainly the ideas that the culture will promote to our lives. From consumism, materialism. If you don't have the last model of a phone or cell, you are not updated to society. If you don't have the last model of car, if you don't have the best equipment in your house, whatever is the case, we live in a consumistic, a very consumistic society. But do you think this year you can put as a goal in your life to live less materialistic and use those resources? For the advancement of the kingdom of God. It seems that we find. And I'm very blunt with you today. It seems that we find everything. Financially speaking. To support a, a, a life. Uh, a lifestyle. But when it is to support the missions. When it is to support the work of the Lord. We never have enough. God wants us to live in a mission. To direct ourselves to follow Jesus. We need to be very careful not to follow the desire of our own flesh. Jesus doesn't say, follow your heart. He says, follow me and I will change your heart. You know, there is this usual sentence that we use. My heart, my heart directed me. Oh, I felt it to do this. Let's be careful. Is your heart Submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ or not? If your heart is submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you can follow your heart. But if your heart is not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, be very careful. Because the Bible says the heart is deceitful. This is what the Bible says. So when you 
follow the heart that has not been regenerated and placed under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you are in trouble. Because it will lead you to follow your own flesh. Jesus said, follow me. Not even follow a denomination. Not even follow a pastor. Not even follow a leader. As much we have to honor the leaders. As much we have to submit to the leaders that God has given to the church. And this is biblical principle. But if your heart is on the leader and it is not on Jesus, you have a problem. You must follow Jesus. And if you have come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and is the Lord of your heart, then you are making a very important theological statement. You recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But orthodoxy, that is the true doctrine, leads to orthopraxy. It means that if you have a sound doctrine, if you have your heart given to Jesus, that should bring you to a good contact that will honor Jesus Christ. You cannot be a Christian and being connected to the vine, that's Jesus Christ, and bear fruit that are not related to the person of Jesus Christ. Let me be more clear here. I never could see possible a Christian murder. I couldn't see possible for a Christian immoral fornicator. I cannot see possible a Christian immoral drunkard. I cannot see possible a Christian thief. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? If your identity is with Christ, it's impossible that you live a life without Christ. And that's why we have to watch our hearts all the time. That's why we have to watch our hearts and examine ourselves before the Lord. And I pray that every time we do communion, we are encouraged to examine ourselves. To see if we are with Christ or not. If our faith is walking in symphony with the teachings of Jesus Christ. And you know, Jesus never expects anything from his followers that he has not already done. Jesus is expecting that because he went through. He Trace, they paved the way for us. In Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8, this wonderful passage of the scriptures is very, very encouraging for us. Look, Paul, what he says here. Have this in mind, uh, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Is yours in Christ Jesus. Who thought he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is what Jesus did. He emptied himself. He died to himself. To fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. And he didn't despise to die on the cross. He was faithful. He felt burned of all the sins of humankind. 
And he asked the father to remove from him the cup. But he endured. Not my will, Father, but thy will will be done. So there is high cost for a profitable exchange. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. If you save your life, if you live it for yourself, if you remove Christ from your picture, then you will die. Make a change. Make a profitable change. Embrace the life of Christ. And this brings me to the second point. Your career is about your present. Your mission is about eternity. Your career is about your present. Your mission is about your eternity. It is not that believers don't have a career, please. We do have a career. I look at this auditorium here and I see people with careers. Some of you are very successful in whatever you do. And this is something good. It brings glory to God. But the difference in this, having a career as a Christian and having a career as not devoted to Christ, is this, that the people of the world live for their careers. The people of God don't. They use their careers or their career to bring glory to God. And I say this, if you are studying, be the, strive to be the best student in the school. This will bring honor to Christ. If you are a professional, be the best professional in Montreal. Strive for that. So people can say the favor of God in your life. Don't assume that your career is not important. But use your career for the glory of God. Wherever God is placing you, that you will be a nurse, you will be a doctor, you will be a professor, a teacher, or you will be a, a senator, you will be a member of the parliament. Use the blessing that God has given to you to impact your world with the light of Jesus Christ. As a Christian, we need to infiltrate this society. We need to bring light where is darkness. It doesn't matter if you work in an environment where it's very difficult, that there is no believers. You are the light of Jesus Christ. Excelling what you do because this will bring glory to Jesus. And this is very important. You know, oftentimes I speak with um, young people. I like to remind them the importance of uh, the career that they are choosing. Because the career we choose either may help us to fulfill the great mission of Jesus Christ or will kill the mission that Jesus has given to us. If you are ruled by the career, it's the career that will determine your ways. We are not here for fame. We are here to serve God, to honor Him. You see, when your career is central in your life, then you are career driven and everything is calculated to get you someday to the top of the career. Sometimes we are willing to move, leave the family, sacrifice the family for a career. This is not what God wants, my brothers and sisters. I pray this morning that we take example from people like Paul. Paul understood, and I love this man. Such a great example. 
He understood that a career was not enough after he met Jesus Christ. He has a wonderful career. He was a Pharisee among the Pharisees. <laughs> he was a man of great, great prospect. He most probably was part of the Sanhedrin. He was part of the elite of the nation of uh, the Jews. He was a Jew, but he was also a citizen of Rome. The power, the two most important power, religious power, military power. Paul embodied both of them. He was educated the best school of the time under the, uh, the supervision of Gamaliel. The way is paved already for you to have a brilliant future. But something happened to him under Damascus Road. Something changed his life. I love what he's saying in Philippians chapter 3 from verse 4 to 8. He said that all these things he considered like rubbish. Like no value. Just to know more Jesus Christ and the power of his sufferings. Praise God for this. You see, Paul understood the meaning. Paul understood what it means having a career and having a mission. You know, sometimes we may be tempted to sacrifice our honor for personal gain or profit. Sometimes we can be tempted to sacrifice our moral principles and integrity in exchange of popularity. But Jesus never looked to be popular. Jesus looked to be faithful to the mission given by the Father. And I pray that this 2019, my, my brothers and sisters, as a church, I really don't care if you are not popular here in Montreal. I care that we are being faithful to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that each one of us will be on fire for God. That's my desire for this 2019. More of you in my life, God. More of you in my family. More of you in our church. More of your presence. Your career makes you a professional, but your mission makes you a disciple of Jesus Christ. And there is nothing better than to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Your career is about here and now. Your mission is looking for eternity. It's about eternity. It's investing in eternity. And when we are driven by the pursuit of a career and not by the pursuit of being a mission... We are tempted to sacrifice eternity for something that is a temporary. In the Bible, we have a great example with Esau. Remember, he exchanged the firstborn rights for, remember what? A soup. A bowl of soup of lentils. I will die if I don't have food. Look at the absurd statement that I made. How can he die? Do you think he will die on the spot if he didn't have that soup? No, at all. But he believed. He convinced himself. My brothers and sisters, let's think for what is eternal, not what is temporary. Amen? Let's be our aim for this year in 2019. And if you are here on this life, on this earth, just for the moment, what is the big deal? If we don't have hope for eternity, if we are not willing to invest for the future, there's nothing special in us. Even the pagan living like that.
So the question that each one of us has to answer before God one day, and before him today, what matters the most to us? What matters the most to us? God's values or our own values? God's commandment or our own ideas of what God wants? So my brothers and sisters, let's, let's reflect on that. We are a mission and not on career. Amen? And my third final point is this. Strive for a lasting legacy, not for a temporary inheritance. Strive for a lasting legacy, not for a temporary inheritance. I want to bring to you one of the most beautiful figures that we have in the history of the Christian Mission Alliance. Oftentimes we quote A.W. Tozer, we quote A.B. Simpson. But this morning, I'd like to introduce to you Robert Alexander Jeffrey. He was born in 1873 and died in 1945. This man was the son of the founder of the Toronto Globe, now called Globe and Mail. His father was a senator, Canadian senator, wealthy, wealthy family. And he had a great ambition program for his son. He would like to see him taking over uh, and manage the wealth of the family. But this young man, at 16 years old, committed his life to Jesus Christ. 16 years old. And I want to encourage young people here. It's a great privilege when you give your heart to Jesus Christ at a young age. It's a great privilege. Don't let the things of this world rob you of that blessing. Jeffrey, or Robert, let's call friendly Robert, went to talk with his father and said, I feel the Lord is calling me to go in mission. And the father flatly said, no way. This is not something for you. Also because Jeffrey had suffered with diabetes and heart problems. But Jeffrey had a special encounter with A.B. Simpson. A.B. Simpson impacted the life of Jeffrey. And he said to the father, I leave everything. I want to go to the Bible school in New York and learn and prepare myself for mission. And the father said, I no way I will pay a penny for this. Robert Alexander Jaffrey managed to pay his own trip to New York and enrolled at the Bible school led by Abby Simpson. And at the end of that, in 1897, he was sent to China as a missionary. He spent there almost 35 years in the province, I hope to pronounce well, Wuzhou Wanji, in that part of the China. He left an important legacy there. The Lord blessed his work. He was pushing, pushing the people that were working with him to go and deeper in the inside of China. And churches were founded because of his sacrifice, of his commitment to serve the Lord. Something happened there. He saw the hand of God saving people. And he said, we have to train local people to become the pastors of these churches, and they will produce other missionaries. Not too long after, I believe in 19, uh, 1928 or 29, he founded our, uh, what he called the Chinese Foreign Missionary Union. And from that organization, 
led, not by him, by another Chinese person, he sent missionaries in all the southeast of Asia. Himself felt the call to go in Vietnam or into China at that time. And then later on, he moved from Vietnam to go in Malaysia or the Dutch Indies at that time, Indonesia. He lived there until the Second World War came. And because that area was under the authority of the Japanese people, they interned him in a camp, concentration camp. Him and his wife. In 1943, he was divided from his wife and he was put in another special camp alone only for men. There he died in 1945. 1945 he died just less than one month before the Japanese surrendered to the Americans. And you know how he died? For illness, malnutrition. His wife and his daughter that were in the other camp learned about his death. After he died, Jeffrey left an inheritance for a legacy. His life is a wonderful example for all of us. I love one of his quotes that really blessed me. He said this, The supreme and crying need of this lost world is the gospel. Shall we not rise at Christ's command to carry the blessed saving news to every perishing one? It's an amazing statement. This man was full of the Holy Spirit. This man was a man filled with passion for the advancement of Christ's kingdom. He was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. He was a man that dreamed Godly dreams. He was a man that received the gifts of the Spirit. He was a man that believed in kneeling. He was a man that experienced the power and the transformation of the Holy Spirit in people's life. He left an amazing legacy. And the Christian Mission Alliance in 2016, they honor his legacy with what we call the Jaffrey Project. We're offering are collected from all the churches of the Canada Christian Mission Alliance and put it together to support workers that are committed alive to reach the least, the least reached group on earth. The life of Jeffrey still speaking to us of a legacy that he left behind. I choose. To serve God. And today's name is well known in China and salvation. My brothers and sisters, what we are ready to leave behind. What is our aim? Let me conclude this right away. Let us have influence more than affluence. Let our lives be more influent than whatever we possess. For Jesus says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and for faith his soul? That's the important thing. In the Bible, there is a man called Jair. He was a judge for 22 years. If we can read this passage in Judges 10, it says the Bible that Jair judged Israel 22 years, and he had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys, and they had 30 cities called Avot Jair to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. And Jair died and was buried in Kaman. You see, Jair's numerous sons, donkeys, and cities 
are mentioned to emphasize that was a very wealthy man. But also, it seems that Jer had no purpose with what he had. He left his son's inheritance, not legacy. Let's make sure where her heart is standing, my brothers and sisters. Another missionary, Martha, Jim Elliot, said, is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let's remember that it's about faithfulness and not about popularity. Amen.